1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: From Devin on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC. Cousins makes perfect sense for the Ben Johnson system. He's going to be 36 years old. You're nuts. I'm not advocating for it. Let me be clear on that. I'm not advocating for it at all. Uh, they need a quarterback. Quarterbacks the number 1 roster priority in this offseason in my opinion. I am not in favor of doing another year of Sam Howell and using all of the cap space and all of the draft choices and hoping that you can create a team like the 49ers have and that Sam ends up becoming Brock Purdy. Uh, I don't see Brock Purdy uh, in uh, I don't see uh, Brock Purdy in Sam Howell at all. I see a guy with significant limitations, and you're really in kind of long shot mode after 17 games of watching him if you're really going to roll him out for year two. The only thing, so with that said, with that understood, that quarterback would be the number one roster priority for me in the offseason, solving your starting quarterback situation. If they don't love, for whatever reason, let's just say uh, Williams goes number one overall, and they don't love Drake May, and they don't love Jaden Daniels, and they don't love J.J. McCarthy, and they don't love Bo Nix. They don't like any of the quarterbacks in, in in this particular draft, and they're not a fan of trading for Justin Fields, which then would require ultimately you paying Justin Fields. Um, there's only two options left in free agency, Cousins and Russell Wilson. And at this point, I think we've seen Russ definitely on the downside. Whereas with Kirk, the last time we saw him, he was definitely playing the best football of his career. And the whole Ben Johnson system makes some sense. But no, I would not advocate for spending massive money with this particular roster as it currently stands. And by the way, there's an, there's an opportunity to really improve the roster dramatically. We see that every year in the league. You know, it's not like the cupboard's completely bare. It's more bare than we thought. Um, but no, I'm not advocating for that. I just, I brought it up because our last guest, Ryan Fowler, had written about it and just said the Ben Johnson scheme, what he did with Jared Goff, the way he wants to play offensive football, uh, you know, that's one path that they could look at. Personally, I think he'll end up in Minnesota, and I think if he doesn't end up there, he'll end up with Belichick in Atlanta uh, with, you know, two teams that are perhaps further along roster-wise with the ability to win 10 games and make it to the postseason. Um, You know, I, I don't see that next year for this team, but again, depending on what they do in free agency and depending on the contributions they get from some young players in a draft that should include a lot of players drafted. Um, and, by the way, just a better coaching staff coaching up some of the players they have. I don't, you know, I could certainly see a big turnaround from four wins for sure. Uh, speaking of Ben Johnson, uh, Boomer Esiason, I guess, on his radio show, right, Denton? Yes, this was this morning
3: on his uh, his radio show.
2: He said the following about Ben Johnson and Washington. I'll tell you who the best coach available is to make him the best player he can be. His name is Ben Johnson. He's the offense coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Never been head coach, though. I know. Runs an unbelievable offense. But he's going to be the head coach of the Commanders. I told you that. So you're telling me that's, that's a lock. Yeah. Head coach of the Commanders. Yes. Ben Johnson. Yes. Green assault spot? Nope. Lock spot. Lock spot. Lock spot. And I'm telling you what's going on in Atlanta. Okay. I'm telling you. Oh, the whole thing with the... Belichick uh... sits down with Arthur Blank. They have a great meeting. Mm-hmm. Belichick knows. Look, I want I want a tight building. I want everybody in that building to be pulling in the same direction. I am not stepping in, I don't have to because I'm Bill Belichick. I'm not stepping into a building where I have to inherit certain people at certain levels of the organization that I don't believe are going to have our best interest in hand. Mm. And the way that I see things is this way, the way this other person see things may be that way. And why why are we doing the Atlanta in. thing? Is there any more on Ben Johnson? No, that's uh Sorry, I was okay. listening to that in real time as well. All, all right, all no worries, no Johnson. worries. All right, so Boomer, you know, look, this is not a headliner at this point. I think – Everybody that's following this here in 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 our town, certainly everybody on the beat from Ben to Nikki to everybody on the beat, John, I think they all have a sense that the chances of Ben Johnson becoming the commander's head coach next week if they lose the NFC title game are probably 75% or better. Uh, this appears to be where he wants to be. This appears to be who Adam Peters wants is at the top of their list. I will tell you that if for whatever reason it were to fall through, uh, I think Dan Quinn interviewed very well. I just would not surprise me if they were impressed with Dan Quinn and even Raheem Morris as well. Um, But anyway, I think we're going to end up with Ben Johnson as the coach. If it's not next week, it's because Detroit upset the 49ers, and they're off to the Super Bowl. And, you know, I mentioned this, I think, yesterday, uh, Denton, with you. If they can't hire him and you're, you, they would not be able to hire Ben Johnson until the Super Bowl's over, if they're in the Super Bowl, if the Lions are in the Super Bowl, it is a late start. Um, you know, it's a late start putting together a staff, which is super important. He misses, you know, any opportunity to be with Adam Peters and perhaps others at the Senior Bowl, um, and you know it's a short window between the Super uh, between the Super Bowl game and the beginning of the league calendar, which then includes things like decisions on uh, fifth year, decisions on franchise tag, and then free agency, etc. But anyway, um, you you want to get the right guy if it comes two weeks after it's supposed to come. Uh, Who cares if it's the right guy? I think it's going to be Ben Johnson. I I was asked by several people on Twitter and several friends of mine, if it's not him, who would it be? I think if it's not him, I think Dan Quinn would have a chance to be the coach here.
3: So let me ask you something, because I threw something similar to this out on Twitter. I said Mike McDonald from Baltimore, but you're going Dan Quinn, defensive-minded head coach. Would you entertain the possibility – of Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator?
2: If Jaden Daniels is the pick, yes, 100%. But not if it's Drake May? Uh, actually, I would consider Arthur Smith for Drake May, too. I think Arthur Smith was is a creative offensive guy, and I think he's very well-respected around the league as an offensive coordinator. Just didn't work out for him as a head coach for a number of reasons. But, yeah, that would be interesting to me. Um, if they hire Dan Quinn or Raheem Morris or Mike McDonald or Anthony Weaver, um, who, who are the OC candidates right now? You know, there, there are guys like Brian Greasy in San Francisco that people are very high on. Obviously, Adam Peters knows very well. Brian Greasy, I've mentioned this many times, and I think I found the interview that Adam Peters did post that draft when they drafted Brock Purdy and he gave Brian Greasy a lot of credit for it I think I pl- didn't I play that last week or the week before yeah that yeah um uh, Purdy was a Brock Greasy
3: guy uh, or a Greasy guy
2: yeah it was a Greasy guy we had heard that forever anyway um and he's gonna have a chance to get an OC job here in this offseason you have you haven't asked me the the important oc question if they if they were to hire a defensive head coach and that is do you keep eric Bienemy. <laughs> that would be a question that i think would be on the minds of many no i don't think that that, that he would be kept as the offensive coordinator
3: what would I, we what would we do on this show would there be any sort of pseudo celebration if there is a reunion between Bienname and rivera on the staff in philadelphia
2: Well, that's not happening, Uh, but but it would be really (laughs) incredible if both of those guys ended up being instrumental in Philadelphia's 2024 season. Um, I don't personally think Ron Rivera is going to get the DC job there, and I don't think that Eric Bieniemy is going to get the offensive coordinator job. Has any look? Eric Bieniemy um, has not. I don't believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think any of the teams that had an opening requested an interview with him. Correct? It certainly wasn't reported. It Other was than not Washington reported. interviewing yeah. him as an in-house guy that's already under contract. Yeah, he was not of on here. anybody's list of requested interviews. No, that is correct yeah like last year he was only on Washington's list uh and Baltimore's actually for requested interviews to be an OC once he became available as a potential offensive coordinator, there were only two teams interested Baltimore and Washington and then Baltimore got Todd Munkin and cancelled their interview with b and Washington obviously not only hired him but um uh, made him assistant head coach as well uh I think it's going to be Ben Johnson. I'm excited about all of this. I mean, just for me, I I was talking to my very good friend, uh, Scott Van Pelt last night. We were talking on the phone, and he just said, You would be all, you'd be right back in if they draft Jaden Daniels. He goes, I know you would. And I said, I, yeah I would be really excited to see it but I also would understand the risk that would come in taking him and I would not have a problem if they drafted Drake May or Caleb Williams I think the whole thing here it's like we got everything that came together it's like the perfect storm now I, I, when I say the perfect storm I'm not talking about damage it will do for me it would be kind of Envisioning the perfect snowstorm, where you get you know the low pressure coming from the Gulf, you got the the cold high pressure to the north, you get redevelopment off the Carolina coast, and it explodes for two to three feet. That's what we have the potential to get here, if that's what you're rooting for, like I am every winter. You have Dan gone, plenty of cap space, plenty of draft choices. Number two overall, this was the wild card. We didn't know we'd have this many draft choices, but we acquired more with the trading of Young and Sweat. Certainly as late as early December, nobody envisioned number two overall with the quarterbacks being what they were. Now knowing that we have a need at quarterback. Not everybody agrees. I know that there's some of you saying, "No, I don't agree with that." I think Sam Howell was poorly coached. I think the offensive line stunk. I think I'd give him definitely another year with a much better coaching staff and a better offensive line. Okay. I I wouldn't. Um but I you know, I understand that perspective. I think, you know, you're selling yourself short believing that it was all offensive line and coaching staff. Uh he was not very good with time and he wasn't very good without time all of the numbers played out that way over 17 games regardless of what it looked like after 8 or 9 games but anyway the the whole kind of coming together of new owner new general manager new head coach number 2 pick pl- number 1 cap space number 1 team with the most picks in the in the first 3 rounds Like, there's more to talk about in this offseason, and that's all we've had to talk about in previous years is what they were doing in the offseason. But this offseason is going to blow away every previous offseason in terms of the, the number of things that are going on simultaneously, the excitement over it, and most importantly, Dan's not involved. And so you got a shot. When we come back, have you been paying attention to what's going on in Dallas Cowboy Land as it relates to Dak Prescott? I will update you on that when we return. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team980.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
2: The Cowboys' season ended in the wild-card round um, when they just got absolutely embarrassed by the Green Bay Packers, 48-32, to a game that was 27 nothing at one point, 48-16 at one point. And it was just the worst-case scenario for Cowboy Nation. Miraculously, in my opinion anyway, Mike McCarthy has held on to his job. He is back, not with a contract extension, but to coach in his final year. But there's been a lot of action off the field uh, following the loss to the Packers. And it, it, it's all centered around Dak Prescott, who, by the way, was not the number one culprit in the loss to the Packers. The defense was. They could not stop the Packers. Matt LaFleur schooled Dan Quinn on that particular day. Dak wasn't good, you know. Threw a couple of picks, almost threw a third. He wasn't good, and the numbers were all puffed up at the end of that game. Uh, But when they were down by you know as many as thirty-two in the game, but I didn't think he was the number one culprit. But he wasn't a guy that you know was able to keep pace with Jordan Love and Green Bay. So let me go through some of this stuff that's come to light here in the last few days. Ceedee Lamb, pretty good year. Pretty good connection he had with Dak all year. Well, Lamb's mother, Lita Ramirez, she's not a big fan of Dak. On Facebook, she posted a few days ago in capital letters, Dak isn't it. She didn't stop there. Uh, She continued to bash Dak Prescott by replying to comments and adding to her original statement. Quote, they need to get rid of his... ASS. Then she wrote before accusing Prescott of not wanting a ring, saying that other Cowboys players work hard for a ring and her son, quote, deserves better. And then maybe the most telling of CeeDee Lamb's mother's rant on Facebook was a Houston Texans fan wishing Lamb would join Houston. And she said, quote, I wish he would, exclamation point. C.J., as in C.J. Stroud, is great, exclamation point. Uh, Then we had this from Micah Parsons' brother, all right, his brother. Not Micah Parsons, but a family member, Terrence Parsons Jr., uh, on social media, blasting Dak Prescott. Um, because Prescott, if you recall, had one kind of statement with uh, him advocating and supportive of Mike McCarthy remaining in Dallas, in Dallas following the loss to Green Bay. To which Terrence Parsons Jr., Micah Parsons' brother, wrote, I'm questioning your future L M F A O O O, laughing my blank blank off. Take $40 million or pack your bags. I ain't going to lie. You need all the help you can get. So he wants Dak out or to take a lot less money to stay. Now, Micah Parsons did respond to his brother's tweet. Quote, as you know, if I have something to say, I'm not afraid to say it. I love my team, my brothers on my team, and the city of Dallas, and I'm committed more than ever to bring a championship to the greatest fan base on earth. That apparently was his response to his brother and his social media posts. Now, we've seen this over time, uh, especially in the era of social media. Crazy family members, you know, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, etc. Friends, etc. Say some stupid, you know what, on Twitter. Now you can say, well, it's coming from somewhere. It's probably coming from C. D. Lamb. It's probably coming from Micah Parsons, but you never know. You never know for sure. And it did appear as if Micah Parsons was trying to distance himself a little bit from his brothers tweet. However, put aside for a moment, family members and friends can say crazy stuff, crazy emotional stuff, because you know what? They wanted to go to the Super Bowl too. They wanted to be in Vegas with the Cowboys playing the Ravens in the Super Bowl. What a trip that would have been. So they were upset as well. That's, I don't know. I can push that to the side and say, you know, You can probably connect some dots there, and maybe, you know, C.D. Lamb's not the biggest fan of Dak, but family members can say some crazy stuff. Here's the issue, though. In Micah Parson's statement, you know whose name was missing from it? Dak Prescott's name. You know who hasn't come out and publicly supported his quarterback after his mother went off on the quarterback? C.D. Lamb. It's that silence that would be the troubling part of all of this as of now. doesn't mean they're not going to come out today or tomorrow or the next day or next week. But if they don't come out publicly in support of Dak, because here's one thing you're not going to get from Dak. You're not going to get anything from Dak Prescott. He is not going to engage in these kinds of back and forths. He's not. He's just too classy. He's quite honestly too much of an adult to get involved in a lot of this. Now, his father, I'm sorry, his brother did come to his defense. Cowboy fans, why continue to DM me? Trust me, if I could get Dak to leave Dallas, I would. I, too, want him out of Dallas. The city and organization have been great to he and our family, but I'm done with the drama and the so-called fans. But he loves this team, and he wants to bring it rings. Those who really know, follow me or know me knows I've never spoken ba- badly about the Cowboys as an organization. I've never spoken badly about a player on the team or the city of Dallas. It's the so-called fans I have an issue with. So that was his brother coming to his defense but i do think what's missing here and what's what makes this interesting is you don't see and in previous instances with other quarterbacks that have been polarizing or have come off, you know, horrendous losses you'll immediately get the organization or teammates to come out publicly in support of said player I don't think we've gotten that with Dak yet. Not yet, anyway. Might be coming. But to me, that's the interesting part of this post Green Bay debacle action in Cowboy Land. Denton, do you have anything to add to that? I'm so glad it's not us anymore. I'm so
3: glad that we are no longer the laughing stock of this division. God, it feels nice. I need to my time, my feet in the sand.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're not the laughing stock. We are still the team that finished 4-13 and last year. Don't forget that. Uh, until further notice, we are still the bottom of the barrel in the NFC East. Uh, that's got to be proven on the field. But, man, it is an S show with the Cowboys always. And you just have to look in one office to find out why they haven't won more than one playoff game in a postseason since 1995. It is the owner. It is the overbearing, look at me, Jerry Jones, as the owner. Much different than Dan altogether. Uh, Much more of a football person than Dan ever was. Much smarter than Dan ever was. Uh, But he has been the constant for the last 29 years. Uh, I do think the Dak thing is interesting because, you know what, Dak's a good quarterback, but he's not really beyond just a good quarterback. And he hasn't performed well enough in the team's biggest games, typically. All right, uh, up next, Bobby Trossett, our friend from Baltimore, on to talk Ravens Chiefs. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, theteam980.com. We're free and live on the Odyssey app.
3: If you listen closely, you'll hear a nice... Massive sigh of relief from NBA on TNT. They ran with a fake Doc Rivers story yesterday. Well, good news. That story became official just a few moments ago. It's been reported Doc is finalizing a deal to become the next Bucks head coach. NHL hockey yesterday. Caps lose to the Minnesota Wild 5-3. Wizards in action tonight. They hosted Timberwolves a few days after Carl Anthony Towns went for 62. Terps on the road against Iowa. Pre-game at 6.30. Tip right here on the Team 980 at 7 p.m. And that's what's trending.
2: Maryland drivers, did you know a vehicle is stolen every 49 minutes in the state of Maryland? The key to preventing theft is in your hands. Lock your car, take your key, use an anti-theft device. Learn more about vehicle theft prevention at mdautotheft.org. Uh, let's go to the state of Maryland. Maryland. Up to Baltimore, Maryland, where our good friend Bobby Trossett uh, jumps on with us, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter, beat the books, download the BetQL app today, or visit BetQL.com. Bobby hosts Ravens Vault, the top Ravens podcast, uh, with Sarah Ellison. You can follow uh, Bobby on Twitter, at Bobby Baltimore. So, first of all, is Mark Andrews going to play Sunday or not?
5: I'd be shocked if he didn't. I mean, his timeline all along, according to some of the reports, of course, you got to go back to November on that hip drop tackle, right, the Thursday night game against the Bengals when he went down with that ankle injury. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, I guess he's gone for the rest of the year. But then, like, less than a month later, he's only, by the way, he's only 60 days out from significant surgery. So for him to even be in the equation – to potentially suit up this upcoming weekend, which by the way, this was a conversation last week too. So the timeline all along, I guess, is is that it's been championship weekend. So they needed to make a run in order for him to come back, but it is pretty remarkable. And you just hope that he doesn't push it too much because as you know,
2: uh, the depth in the tight end room has been on full display since he went down. So yeah. Who did you want? Did you want Buffalo or Kansas city? Oh, everything worked out the way that I, I wanted. And I hope –
5: I would hope that, you know, the Ravens fan base feels the same way, right? you got to – in order to truly be crowned this year's best, you've got to go through what's been, you know, in recent memory here, the dynasty, what's been the best. And that's Kansas City. And, and even all the questions about them in season, some scuffles, you know, and, and some pedestrian – for their standards, some pedestrian play. This is the way I wanted it. Mahomes and Lamar at the bank in Baltimore – you know, for the first time, a championship weekend in Baltimore since the Baltimore Colts did so in nineteen seventy one of January, so it's man, this is going to be a heck of a weekend for this town
2: yeah i i that was interesting to me this week bobby i I heard it said during the Saturday broadcast of the uh Ravens uh Texans game. I mean, you got to go back to the '70 Colts. Uh, they ended up winning Super Bowl V over the Cowboys, and they beat the Raiders at Memorial Stadium for the last AFC title game in Baltimore. It's it's wild to think that you know there have been multiple Super Bowls and multiple deep runs, and all of those wins were on the road, which is why.
1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: You know, many times uh, over the last few years, I talked about Flacco's road playoff record. It's because basically the Ravens have never had home field advantage until this year.
5: Right. And, And that's why some of the speculation about whether or not this generation's Ravens, this team led by Lamar leading into last weekend, some of the speculation, some of the doubt to me was valid, but he got the monkey off his back. You know, he's he's into the championship weekend for the first time in his, in his career and they're firing on all cylinders. So uh, my hope is that just from, from an entertainment value, we get a good sort of um, back-to-back weekends where it's an instant classic, like Buffalo and Kansas city was last weekend up in, up in Western New York. But, but, yeah, I mean, this has got a little bit of everything, right? It's got two elite defenses, and I start there because I don't think there's enough coverage about that. I mean, this is the first and second-ranked defenses, respectively, Baltimore and Kansas City. And, and so, of course, you got your MVP quarterbacks. you got great tight ends. You've got great special teams, right, two of the best kickers in the league, if not the two best. So, to me, I mean, what, what more could you want?
2: Yeah. I, I, I'm i glad you started with defense because I was going to ask you, who's more responsible? Which side of the ball is more responsible for the regular season the Ravens had and, you know, this appearance at home as a one seed in the AFC championship? Lamar and the offense or the defense? And it sounds like you'd lean defense.
5: I would lean defense, but that in no way is that discounting or taking away from what Lamar and this offensive group did, right? Because I mean, he's he's gonna, he's gonna assumed to be two-time MVP for a reason, and finally they've invested in playmaking around him last offseason they did, and it's, and it's paid dividends. With that said, being that he's working with Todd Munkin for the first time as an offensive coordinator-quarterback duo, you saw early in the season that there was somewhat of a learning curve, right? And right. I think the way the defense was firing on all cylinders and – gosh, between the two meetings they gave C.J. Stroud hell in week one and then last weekend. It's just, they provided for a certain margin for error the defensive bid for Lamar's group. And I think while he's been, over the last month, plus electric and brilliant, there was some early going struggles between he and his personnel. It wasn't just him. Ball security was somewhat of an issue. The Pittsburgh game, you think about eight drops. I mean, there was just The defense firing on all cylinders the way that it has, has provided for a margin for error. And now you got both really all three phases clicking besides that special teams gaffe from a week
2: ago. um, Steven Sims taking it to the house on that punt return touchdown. That can't happen, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, they. Uh, I, I think in the um, in the two games, they didn't score one offensive touchdown. Houston against Baltimore's defense, and I don't think they had a snap inside Baltimore's twenty-five yard line in the game on Sunday. By the way, just you know, speaking uh, uh, of the Ravens' offense. I mean, I, I you lost J.K. Dobbins early, you ended up losing Mark Andrews, but the guy that ended up being one of, I, I think, maybe even the second biggest kind of home run threat other than the quarterback was this guy Keaton Mitchell. I mean, imagine if he were still here. I think at one point in watching one of the Ravens' games, he was averaging like eight yards a carry. Oh, the guy's unbelievable,
5: undrafted rookie. I mean, are you kidding me? What a story. And his father, Anthony Mitchell, won a Super right. Bowl with the Ravens. He played He played on the Ravens. So kind of a cool Baltimore story. But no Keaton, no Dobbins, to your point. Mark down the stretch the second half of the season goes down with the ankle injury. Marlon Humphreys missed seven or eight games this year. I mean, you think about what this team could. I mean, look, they're the, the top seed for a reason. But I think it's just been a testament to the way that they've built this roster. There's depth. In all three phases, there's experience in all three phases. There's a few rookie sensations, right? Like, well, there's at least one rookie sensation in Zay Flowers. you got a second-year player in Kyle Hamilton on the defensive side of the ball who just does so many things. He's a unicorn for Mike McDonald. And then because of all that, right, like we talked about last time, you got a bunch of different potential candidates out there for defensive coordinator openings, head coaching openings, up and down John Harbaugh's staff.
2: I think um, and we, when I had you on a few weeks ago, it was to talk about Mike McDon- uh, Mike McDonald and Anthony Weaver, who were two requested interviews. They've both been virtually interviewed by the team. They can't do in person until uh, Monday following the championship game, whether they're going to the Super Bowl or not. It's really like Ben Johnson, Bobby's probably going to end up being the coach and be the hire here. But as you look at the landscape of coordinators that are head coaching uh, possibilities, if not probabilities here, McDonald's got the most impressive resume. What they did just last year, you know, with that defense carrying Tyler Huntley into the playoffs and nearly a win over Joe Burrow and Cincinnati on the road, and then to destroy – offensive teams like San Francisco and Miami and Houston twice and you know even you know the Chargers at one point were a threat offensively this year they completely shut them down Jacksonville I mean this guy he he must be an incredible X's and O's defensive coordinator but I know that there's a lot of talent there but just speak to Mike McDonald and the job he's done there
5: well, first and foremost, the last time that we chatted, right, it was, like to your point, it was about Mike and, and how many openings were, were available at that time. Slowly but surely here, first, you're expressing your confidence that you have your guy down in Washington. Tennessee's got their guy in Callahan, which helps out the Ravens in a, in a couple different ways. One, it takes away one of the vacancies, and Cincinnati's going to kind of regroup at offensive coordinator, right, in division. So all of a sudden here, you're starting to see these openings get filled and it sure looks like. I mean, do we think that Atlanta's kind of zoning in on, on Belichick? Is LA going to finalize things with Harbaugh? I mean, all of a sudden, you're, you're looking at a, a different situation than, than we were looking at the last time we spoke. And so I think there's starting to be somewhat of, of an infusion of confidence in Baltimore that maybe Mike will be around after this year. I, it's too early to say, but it certainly looks better than it did a couple weeks ago. But to, to the job that he's done, Man, where do we start? All three, you know, all three levels of the defense. You look, you look at Justin Matabike, a guy who's in a contract year. He won't talk about it in the summer. Well, for good reason. He's let his play do the talking. The guy put up an Aaron Donald type of performance uh, in the defensive line. The guy, he, he led the team in sacks. He was a, a beast against the run, and now he's going to get paid. I wouldn't be surprised if they use the franchise tag option on him. Uh, the way that he's brought in Jadavian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy, two vets who a lot of people wrote off. Oh, guess what? They're having their best career years, you know, and and we'll see what their futures uh, lie in Baltimore. The second level, we are, you know, what that's about. Roquan and Patrick Queen, arguably the the best duo, maybe up against San Francisco in terms of inside linebackers. And then what he's done with the aforementioned Kyle Hamilton, being able mm-hmm. to keep him on the field in free safety looks with Marcus Williams and Geno Stone. I mean, it, it speaks to how much of a unicorn Kyle is because he can play nickel just as well as he can you know, on the back end and, and good up against the run. And his father played professional basketball overseas. So he's super uh, rangy and, and affecting things at the line of scrimmage, batting down balls here and there. So yeah, some of his personnel that he has at his disposal, Kevin, but at the same time, he just has such a feel for certain blitz packages. He's so cool, calm, and collected. And he's going to make one hell of a head coach because I'll tell you what he's not going to do. He's not going to be creating any headlines because he is all business.
2: Yeah, but to your uh, early point, it may be that everybody, that staff is back intact. Harbaugh, Munkin, and McDonald um, for next year. All right, so Sunday, uh, 3 o'clock, M&T Bank. I mean, the ticket prices uh, in the aftermarket are outrageous. This has to be, I would imagine, this this has got to be up there, right, with one of the toughest tickets Baltimore's had for anything in a long time.
5: I'd have to think so, yeah. I would probably put this up there with – it's not the biggest game in Ravens history, obviously, because as a franchise, they're
2: two-time Super Bowl champion winning group, right? But, I'm talking about a home game, though. Yeah.
5: Right. Like, I think, I think you could probably – not. I think. This is the biggest game in the history of M&T Bank Stadium. Like, Ray's last ride maybe is up there, but in terms of what this means big picture – this has got to be the biggest. And so, yeah, the, the place is going to be buzzing. Tickets are tough. I don't even go to the games. I, I do the pregame show down around the, the stadium, immediately go home, and then we start our post-game show directly after. And uh, I think RG3 is going to be joining, who's, by the way, <laughs> I've been thinking about you the last couple of weeks with that Gruden RG3
2: beef on Twitter. That has been unreal to watch unfold. Yeah, he's he's insufferable. Um, just which, unbelievable which one? Uh, revisionist which one? history of what happened here. But anyway, um, that's another subject for another day. <laughs> so, what are the keys for a Ravens win over Mahomes and the Chiefs?
5: Ball security off the top. You can't. I mean, if you're turning the ball over against the Kansas City Chiefs, well, in an AFC Championship game, first, but much less against the Kansas City Chiefs, you, they're they're going to make you pay. So that first and foremost. Second got to find a way to take Travis Kelsey out of the equation. I think they have the dogs to do it. I think Kyle Hamilton's definitely going to draw that assignment and we'll see if he's able to be physical with him um, and can keep up with a guy who, yeah, he's on the other side of 30. Yeah. There's been some question marks about his future, but as we all watched last weekend, he's still got it. So, so that's certainly one and two. And, and after that, I mean, special teams could come down to special teams in a game like this. So, uh, those are my three areas that I'm watching. And, of course, there's going to be a – I mean, look, you got to do something about Pacheco, right? Do, do the Ravens have the defensive line to make sure they keep him intact? He's such a violent runner. I think they do. And, and I think this is ultimately going to come down to one of those classic who possesses the football left.
2: I, I look at the teams that Kansas City played late in the season, the better defensive teams, and watch them struggle – a little bit. Remember Buffalo was a beat up defense that they, you know, that they were incredibly productive against last week. I just see it being a completely different situation for Kansas City offensively. This is the best defensive team they'll face. They'll face it on the road. Like they did Buffalo, don't get me wrong, but I mean they struggled to move the ball against the Raiders, the Patriots, you know, some of the better defensive teams that they played down the stretch. I'd be, I, I love your team. I think, I think they win this game going away. What do you think? What's your prediction?
5: Yeah, I'm thinking that it's going to be a Ravens win as well. 30 to 28, somewhere in there. Um, look, you know, this defense, to your point, did something that no other defense has ever done. And I think we spoke about this last time, like the triple crown, they led the league and take sacks and points allowed. Like that's ridiculous. And so, yeah, I, look, I, what is it, three and a half? Is that what it is?
2: Three and a half, four, yeah. Three yep.
5: and a half? Yeah, right, yeah, three and a half. So, I, I don't know. I actually hadn't thought about the prediction yet. We haven't done our episode yet. But I think well, it's somewhere around, that, yeah. somewhere around that 30, 30 24, 30, something like that for Ravens win.
2: Bobby does such a good job. Check out the Ravens Vault podcast. Uh, Follow him on Twitter. Uh, He follows sports all around the area, but does such a great job covering Baltimore sports and has for a while. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for doing this as always. Have fun Sunday.
5: Absolutely, Kevin. Appreciate you.
2: Yeah, Bobby Trossett, at Bobby Baltimore, and that's Baltimore with two E's at the end on Twitter. All right, we'll do some Denton news. We've got some NFL buy and sell, and we're going to do some power rankings of the four teams in the championship games, but we'll add a fifth. Who's the fifth best team that's not playing? Is it the Cowboys? No. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, theteam980.com. We are also free and live on the Odyssey app.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.